0: But there was an experience that I had earlier this week. Um, So, you know, maybe you haven't met my sister, Gemma. She's visiting with her three kids from North Carolina. And my parents flew in yesterday, so awesome to have them all here. But um, earlier this week, we wanted to give my sister a little bit of time to head out to the outlets on her own. (laughs) And so we took the kids to the library. um, And it just so happened that it coordinated with uh, another hangout time with Ashley and her kiddos and stuff. And so my charge for the evening was that little one, Mariah. And, uh, you know, there's something about having kids around you. Dave and I, we were talking about how you just never stop worrying, right? Um, even when even when they, they get grown up, they, they move out of the house or whatever. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you know this, but the first day that you had your license, it was like a snowy, icy day. Yeah, yeah. And Dave and Clint and I, we were praying together, and Dave, <laughs> he was praying, he was praying. And, and so as parents, we feel this heart tug, like when our kids when their leash grows long, so to speak, you know, we, we kind of grow worried. We, we get hyper-attentive. Um, but then, I don't know if I'm the only one, but, like, when you have several kids, uh, <laughs> like, you know, the first one, Justin and Sally, I mean, you're, you're like, hey, why, why is she not, you know, crying right now? Why is she not eating? Why, why is she, you know, all these kinds of things. And, um, but then number two comes, and then number three comes, and that, that hyper-attentiveness... Am I the only one? Does it just kind of (laughs) like desensitize a little bit? Oh, they'll be all right. (laughs) Sniffly nose. oh, they'll they'll get over it. But uh, earlier this week when when I had Mariah as my charge, I found myself even more. Like just kind of my ears were open. My eyes were open. I wanted to anticipate, you know, her needs. I wanted to um, just be attentive. And I wanted to make sure that she was assured that even if she didn't see her mommy, she was taken care of. And that, that, that little time at the library just kind of uh, peaked uh, or g- gave me a glimpse into the experience of the angels because I really think that the angels, even though we are not their kids, we are their charge. You know, David, you were mentioning this earlier, that they're watching. They're attentive. Are they going to fall? Are they going to do this? You know, they're, they're wanting to anticipate our needs, what we might be missing. And they want to give us assurance. They want to give us assurance. Turn with me if you have your Bible. We're just going to take a look at a few verses here as we wrap up together. Hebrews chapter 1. This isn't normally a Christmas text, but we're going to the book of Hebrews. Because I want us to understand something that was already mentioned about angels. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to take a look at the last verse of chapter 1. Hebrews 1 verse 14. Hebrews is in the New Testament, not yet to Revelation. If you've gotten to James, you've gone a little bit too far. If you found it, Hebrews chapter 1, go ahead and say, Amen. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 1. Notice what the Bible says about the angels. Actually, in chapter 1, the author of Hebrews, Paul, is kind of comparing the ministry of Jesus to the ministry of the angels. And while they're all attentive towards the salvation of humanity... Um, Jesus is distinct, right? And so there's something that he is saying about the angels here in verse 14. The New King James says this Are they not all ministering spirits? Speaking about the angels, are they not all what kind of spirits? Ministering spirits sent forth to minister for who? What does it say? For those who will inherit salvation. We are their charge. People who are seeking salvation, angels say, oh man, I am all about them. I am, my eyes, you know, last week we talked about the angel's eyes being glued on God's activity whenever he's creating or whenever he's he's saving. The angels are glued on God, but their eyes are also glued on you and me. Ministering spirits, the word is very interesting. It's a unique Greek term talking about a worker who belongs to the people, literally belongs to the people. Like a public servant, a public official, but in this case, it's an official appointment from heaven. All right? This is pretty awesome. And so that story that Dave mentioned in Genesis about Jacob seeing a—do you remember what he saw in a dream? It was a ladder. Can we find it together? Let's go there. Genesis chapter 28. This is awesome stuff. Genesis 28. And again, not necessarily a Christmas text, but um, but hopefully we see how the angels play into this story. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 28, I hope you can see this for yourself either on your phone or in your Bible. These are verses that I've highlighted long ago, and um, I hope they mean something to you and me today. Genesis 28, if if you're there, say, I found it. All right, good job, guys. All right. Genesis 28, this is speaking about Jacob. Jacob was on the run. Jacob was not necessarily feeling joy to the world at this time, right? He was not feeling peace on earth. Why? Because his brother wanted to kill him. His brother wanted to take him out. He had just deceived his father to get what he himself wanted. He's overcome by a sense of guilt. He's overcome by a sense of being severed not just from his family, but now possibly from God. And in Genesis 28 as as this weary traveler is running, it says in verse 11, So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. He was desperate. (laughs) No, no down pillow. This is a stone. In verse 11, it continues. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Verse 12, then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the what? On the earth. And its top reached where? Where? to heaven and there the angels of god were doing what (laughs) is that what they were doing no 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 no. what were they doing they were ascending and what else descending they weren't running from jacob they were going back and forth the link is still there bro you messed up your life but god is not mad at you and the, the dream continues he beholds the lord and god is actually speaking to him we're going to skip down to verse 15 behold i am with you and will do what will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for i will not leave you how would you put that in the in the positive i will not leave you how, how would you spin that in the positive where it's not a negative statement i will I will stay with I'm right here with you. Amen. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. The angels ascending and descending to serve, to bridge the gap, and to express this very assurance that the Word of God is saying, I will not leave you. I am with you. This ladder, just, just picture this ladder um, I don't know if, if Jacob ever felt like this, you know, like, I'm down here. Who's up there? But, but the angels of God are saying, hey, we're back and forth. This link is sustained. I am with you. I will not leave you. And I think this ladder is a constant, or it's a visual. It's a visual of the constant activity of the angels to give you and I, not just Jacob, but you and I running from God, you and I broken and messed up, You and I feeling as though we are severed from heaven. It's a strong visual of the two assurances of God. One, God's presence. Two, God's favor. The angels ascending and descending. That means that one, God is present. And two, his favor is upon you. He's present not just to save or he's present to save and not to sever. And in the Christmas story, when you think about the angels and when they come to talk, let's think about this really quickly. So, so scene number one, actually, if you kind of backtrack before the Bethlehem fields and stuff like that, angels do appear. Angels appear to Joseph, right? Angels appear to Joseph saying, hey, guy, um, you know, this, this whole thing that you've heard about Mary being pregnant and stuff, you're not even married. Um, don't worry. What appears to be scandalous, God is actually in this. And he gives the assurance, I'm, I'm with you, even when it looks crazy uncertain. Scene number two, the angel appears now to Mary. And Mary is being talked to by the angel. In this, in this instance, the angel says, hey, again, do not be afraid. Why? Why not be afraid? Because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Do you realize, again, the angel assures Mary of God's presence? And then what we saw in the, in the fields, the shepherds watching their flocks by night. There, there's, again, the angels have to tell them, don't be afraid. They have to give them this assurance. And what, what's the reason for the assurance? For unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. In other words, the Messiah is present. He's with you. String this together. String this together. Joseph needed to be assured that God was in this. God was with us. Mary needed to be assured that what was going on in her was not, you know, uh, her, it wasn't something that she had done. It wasn't a mistake. It was God present. The angels needed to be assured. They were frightened by the glory. They needed to be assured that God was present. I don't know if you're seeing this, but every time they're reinforcing the same message, what the angels need to communicate is the assurance that God is with us. <laughs> That's his presence. And the assurance that God is not mad at us. <laughs> That's his favor. Think about this. Think about this. When we hear those words that God is with us, I mean, we, we kind of hear Matthew one twenty three. you know, that <laughs> Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And we, it, It's almost uh, like a familiar phrase. It just kind of rolls off of our tongues, but it also rolls off of our ears. It almost becomes cliche. But I want you to think about what it really means for God to be with us The eyes of the angels. When the angels see God with humanity, do you know what memories come to mind? (laughs) Dave was mentioning them earlier. The the angels have seen God with humanity on the full spectrum. Okay, think about this. We we looked at Job chapter 38, verse 7. The angels were there at creation, high fiving each other, rejoicing when God created the heavens and the earth. They were they, so they saw the Creator. They saw God with humanity, face to face with humanity. And yet, just a few chapters later, Genesis three, they're the ones who have to stand guard at the tree of life. They're the ones that have to see the pained face of the Creator, saying farewell to his creation. And so they've seen God with humanity, face to face. But now they see God with humanity. in in a way that's pained and broken because there's, there's a separation. It's not the ideal. And yet they see that God is seeking constantly to be with humanity. You know, just kind of review redemption, redemptive history. From Genesis, you find Exodus. And Exodus, God is wanting to be with his people, but he can't necessarily be with them face to face, so he shrouds himself in a pillar of cloud and a, a, by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then he gives them instructions. Okay, I really want to dwell with you. And in Exodus 25, he tells them, construct for me a sanctuary that I might dwell among you. See, this is this God that has been with his people, but now there's a severance, there's a separation. He just keeps Wanting to be with us, and this is what the angels see. They see this Creator who wants to be with His kids, so much so that throughout redemptive history, their assurance to people like Elisha, "Hey, those who are with us are more than those who are with them." He's present. Okay, the the angels' assurance is to Daniel, hey, "Rejoice, highly favored one. You know you are beloved of God. This is God's presence, but also His." His favor, and so the angels are giving this assurance all throughout redemptive history they 've also seen they 've also seen just how tragic it is when humanity doesn 't realize that God is with us i don 't know if you man, uh, I think time would would not allow for us to really delve into the depths of just how important it is to know that God is with us, um, actually, just this morning, I was reading something that steps to Christ, um, it's, it's powerful to me. And I, I hope this makes sense. But it, it's from the, the chapter called The Knowledge of God. Right, I'll read it from over here. <laughs> it says this. When men go forth to their daily toil as when they engage in prayer, when they lie down at night, when they rise in the morning, When the rich man feasts in his palace, or when the poor man gathers his children about the scanty board, each is tenderly watched by the Heavenly Father. That's awesome, right? No matter what station in life, no matter what what mode of life, you're watched by your Heavenly Father. But notice this. No tears are shed that God does not notice. There is no smile that He does not mark. If we would but fully believe this, all undue anxieties would be dismissed. You guys have anxiety? (laughs) She's saying, if we would but fully believe that we have a father who's actually there, everything else would dissipate. That mountain would be minimized. That trial would be taken care of. That trouble, that burden, that grief would be healed. If we would but fully believe this, all undue anxieties would be dismissed. Our lives would not be so filled with disappointment as now. We should then enjoy a rest of soul to which many have long been strangers. You know what that's called? That's called peace. <laughs> that's called peace. And you know what the angels were singing on the night to the shepherds? In Luke chapter 2, it says, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, what? What? Peace, peace, why? Goodwill towards men, that heaven is not angry with you, that heaven hasn't cut you off, that heaven would do everything possible to span the distance, to be with you and me. (laughs) That's the beauty. I think the angels saw that. That's what brings about peace, to know that God is with us. Peace is what the angels sing, be whole. That's what peace means in scripture, shalom. It's wholeness, completion, nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace only comes when we know that the Prince of Peace is right here with us. The God of heaven wants us. The God of heaven desires us. And that he has done everything in his power to truly be with us. And I think this is what the angels see. When they see the babe born in a manger, they see the God who will do everything to be with us. (laughs) The angels see it. Do you see it too? Do you see it too? As we wrap up today, two simple appeals. There's a gift in the babe Jesus. There's a gift of God's presence. God with us. And so two simple appeals. Appeal number one. Would you receive the gift of God's presence and favor today? Would you receive that? Like, it'd be terrible to see the prettiest gift job that I just wrapped up for my boys. It's the, <laughs> I haven't finished the bow just yet, but it would be terrible to see that remain unopened. God has given his presence, receive the gift of his presence and his favor. Receive it. Be changed by this. This is what brings peace on earth. There's nothing else, nothing else in this world that will give that rest for the soul to which you and I have been strangers for way too long. Know that God isn't mad at you. He's madly in love with you, <laughs> and He can't wait for you to come home to His love. Uh, you know, someone would say, but, "But I've done this. You have no idea what I've been. I've got this, and th- you know that hang up or whatever." I may not know that. The person next to you may not know that. But you know who does? God himself. Yeah, the one who came to be with you anyway. He knows everything about us and loves us through it. Yeah, and all those things need to be dealt with. That's true. But the safest place to deal with it is in the loving embrace of a God who will be with you no matter what. Where we don't have to worry about you know, the conditions upon his acceptance. No, no, no. He says, I love you with an everlasting love. That's the only place to deal with our past. It's in the embrace of a God who knows everything about us and loves us anyway. His delight and favor were already directed toward us long before we could say yes to him. Long before we, you know, we could respond to his grace. He already came (laughs) and he's going to come again. So, appeal number one, receive the gift of his presence and favor. How many of you desire today to receive the gift of Emmanuel, God with us? Amen. Amen. Alright, appeal number two. Appeal number two. If this is true that God is with us, if this is true, that He has given Himself, then could it be that a, an appropriate response besides receiving that gift of His presence could also be to give the gift of God's presence? You're thinking to yourself, how do I give the gift of God's presence? I'm not God. (laughs) But what if, as God dwells in your heart and mine, we can give the gift of presence and favor to others? I'm not talking about presence with a bow on it. I'm talking about being with, being present with one another. The greatest gift we can give this season is the gift of our presence. My dad made a confession last night. They just flew in from California. They didn't want to pack a whole bunch of gifts in their suitcases. And so he said, maybe we can take some time, you know, on Sunday to to do some Christmas shopping. And, you know, in my heart, I'm like, Dad, you're here. (laughs) That's a gift in itself. I'm reminded of this at night, almost every night. Jaden, I hear this little voice as I uh, turn off the light. I hear this little voice, Daddy, will you stay with me for a little bit? (laughs) And it's, it's, it's the reality that the thing that causes us the most calm and peace in life is knowing that someone is with us. The greatest gift that we can give to each other is not necessarily the thing that has the biggest price tag. It's our time. It's our presence. It's our love, and it's our favor. It's not just about the material blessings we can buy and wrap. So if you haven't done your Christmas shopping, it's okay. (laughs) Be at peace. It's about being with in order to reveal the God who is with. Emmanuel, God with us. um, As we wrap up together... We, we've already extended the appeal. Receive the gift of God's presence. But how many of us today can, can think to ourselves and decide, yeah, you know what? There's going to be a lot of activity in the next few days, but what I really want to give people is my presence. And through that, that they would know God's presence, God's favor. How many of you want to give the gifts of presence this season? Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our song team up, and we're going to sing that chorus to Emmanuel once again as a response to this God who is going to do everything in his power to be with his people. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for the gift, the gift of Emmanuel. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Thank you, Father. We want to respond with a, a positive yes, a heartfelt embrace of this gift of your presence. And we ask, God, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, make us able to give the gift of your presence to those around us today and throughout this season. We pray this in Jesus' saving name. Let everyone say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. Happy Sabbath and Merry Christmas.